Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Physically, if you're chiming in online, welcome as well as we continue in our series called Black Ops, Black Operations, where we are learning about how our enemy secretly works around to try to take us out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Every day his number one goal is to try to make us doubt God's love for us, make us doubt our position as his child in his kingdom, make us doubt that, as scripture says, that we are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. He wants us to leave our relationship with Jesus Christ, our security in him, our salvation in him. And that's his goal daily as our enemy to do that. And so that is why we have been focusing on this whole topic of spiritual warfare. And I'm going to tell you why it's important we do so. Let me start with a question. Have you ever been clueless? Has any of you ever been clueless? Let's see a hand. Any of you ever been clueless? All right, a few of you have been clueless. You're honest. The rest of you are clueless uh, because you have been clueless before. You just don't admit it, right? At times in my life, I am just like clueless. And, and I can recognize at times in my life, I am clueless. But oftentimes, it takes me a little while before I get there. A couple weeks ago, well, actually a week ago Sunday, we were up in Bram at the event center Sunday night for our launch team training and, and meeting and that. And we rent the facility, and unfortunately, on one of the white tables, there was some permanent marker drawn on there, which it's not huge or whatever, but we like to leave a facility that we lease the same way that we walked into it and that. So my desire was to get it cleaned and, and get it taken care of. And Alyssa, our children's director here, said, well, hey, you, you need a magic eraser. You know, that'll take that off. And so I'm like, okay. I took out my phone, put it in my notes on my phone, get a magic eraser because we were going to be up there uh, in the midweek to do some other details at the event center. And so I walked into Walmart, and as I was walking in down the, the main aisle, I passed one of the helpers in blue, and I think the Holy Spirit already told me, said, hey, you should ask him where the magic marker is, you know, the magic eraser is, and I'm thinking, I got this. I got this, right? And, and that, because my philosophy when I go into any store is this, blow in, blow up, and blow out. Blow in, blow up, and blow out. So like, so like if there were speed limits in grocery stores or in stores or that with you know shopping carts and stuff, I'd be getting pulled over right and left. I mean, I grab them, I'm like just... I'm sure I've offended many of you that, are, that maybe have seen me or, well, hey, Pastor Bill, you know, and I'm just like, you know, like just whipping by and that kind of thing because I want to get in, blow in, blow up, and blow out, get what I need, right? And that, so I'm like, okay, magic eraser, I know, geez. and I go right to the business section, you know, and I'm like, okay, magic eraser, you know, I'm looking, you know, at the pens and the pencils and the erasers and all, and I'm like, where is it? You know, I'm just scouring, I'm scouring, magic eraser, pretty obvious, magic eraser, I'm like, five minutes, can't find it, I'm thinking, I'm like, ah, it's in crafts, it's over in crafts. So I go over in crafts, and I'm looking all over like magic eraser, magic eraser. It's got to be this magic. It must have like sprinklies on it or, you know, like gold things on you know, because it's magic, you know, and all. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, 
You gotta be kidding me. And I'm, you know, tying, you know, I'm like, this isn't my philosophy, blow in, blow up, and blow out, you know, and I can't find it. Finally, I break down, I see a gal working over in fabrics. So I go over and I'm like, excuse me, miss, a magic eraser. Magic, you know, could you show me what aisle it is in crafts? And I, oh, she's like, that's in uh, cleaning supplies across the store there. You're like, cleaning supplies? It's an eraser. I know what an eraser looks like. So I go over to cleaning supplies, and I'm, I'm up and down the aisle, just like, like, seriously, I do not see any erasers in these aisles. And I go to the next aisle, I'm like, nope, that's, you know, that's napkins, towels, you know, this. And Finally, I find a gal stocking, I'm like, excuse me, miss, could you, magic erasers. She says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll show you where those are. And she goes and she shows me the magic eraser, and she pulls out this box, and I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> that does not look like an eraser at all. No re- resemblance. And, that, and then I pull it out, and I'm like, really? It does not go on the top of a pencil. And I'm like, clueless, totally clueless. So anyways, I take the box. We end up up in Bram. I'm with Wendy, who just was talking to you, our, our children's pastor and that. And, and I'm working on this table. And I'm just scrubbing it and scrubbing it. And Wendy's watching me, watching me for about like three minutes. And I'm like, this thing just doesn't work. And after three minutes, she says, uh, you know, you're supposed to get it wet. <laughs> she just was like setting me up. You know, it's just like... Of course, guys, you don't read the directions. Matter of fact, I wonder if it even says that, but, you know, I'm just like clueless, magic eraser. Have you ever felt clueless? Have you ever been clueless? I mean, if we're honest, we have been clueless like I was. The fact is, we need instruction. We need help. And that is why God has given us his word. Because he understands at times we are clueless. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It gives us direction in this dark world. God's word is to instruct us as how we are to be Christ followers. And we see that in Ephesians 6 that we have been looking at, in this series on spiritual warfare, the Apostle Paul realizes as Christ followers that we are clueless when it comes to spiritual warfare, that we need understanding, we need instruction, we need help, that oftentimes we are not aware of what's going on. That's why he says in Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He recognizes that, hey, we are clueless. We don't really pay attention to this. And so he brings instruction to us and understanding of what does it mean then to wear the full armor of God. So in Ephesians 6, 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. He's saying, listen, God has created you to stand against, to hold your ground, to remain in relationship with him. Don't let the enemy pull you out of that relationship. 
And the way you do that is by putting on the full armor of God. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the sandals. But then he says, take up also the armor of God. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation that Pastor Justin talked about last week. And then today, he's talking about the last item that we are supposed to take up physically, and that is the sword of the Spirit. So what is the meaning then of the sword of the Spirit? Paul defines it for us in Ephesians 6, 17b. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Spirit uses the Word of God like a sword. Now, the sword is both offensive and it's both defensive as a weapon as used by a soldier in warfare. In this case, the weapon that belongs to the Holy Spirit is God's word. If we don't have God's word in us, the Holy Spirit that lives in us is ill-equipped. It doesn't have the sword. It's incredible. Now, it's necessary for any soldier who has a sword to get rigid training in how to use the sword. And it's also necessary for us to understand how it is the Holy Spirit wants to use the sword, God's word, in our lives. So let's look at how the Holy Spirit looks and uses God's word in our lives by looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus put in motion the sword of the Spirit when he came against the enemy, Satan, the devil, who was trying to take him out. We read, as Wendy mentioned earlier in Matthew chapter 4, before Jesus goes out into his public ministry as an adult, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He comes out of the wilderness not having eaten anything for 40 days. And obviously, he's hungry. So what does the enemy first tempt him with? He says, hey, if you're the son of God, you know, he's sort of like trash talking, being a little lippy. <laughs> yeah, if you really think you're the son of God, you know, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus comes back with what? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan then takes Jesus to a high place and says, hey, listen, if you'll bow before me, I will give you all the wealth of this world. I'll give you all the power. I'll give you all the position. And Jesus comes back with the sword, the Word, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And over and over, to defeat the enemy, Satan, he used the word of God. We see over in Matthew chapter 16, we see that Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And the apostle Peter comes back with this incredible answer. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, Peter, 
My father actually gave you that answer. It's not from you. That is right. And he says, on that truth, my church will be built. And so Peter's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. But then right after that, Jesus starts to tell his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must be beat up, spit on, whipped, and nailed to a cross and crucified, die in the worst way so that our sins could be forgiven and we could walk back into a relationship with our Father in heaven. And Peter steps in and says, never, Lord, never will I let you do that. Never will you go and be crucified. Never will you die. And Jesus recognizes that the enemy, the devil, is trying to utilize Peter to keep him from fulfilling his mission to go to the cross. And what is Jesus' response in verse 23 of Matthew 16? He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus recognized the enemy was trying to use Peter in his human thinking to keep Jesus from going to the cross for you and I for the forgiveness of our sin. And Jesus is going back to the Old Testament in Isaiah 55, where it says clearly about how our thoughts are different than God's thoughts. In verse 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, Peter, listen, enemy. You are thinking in human terms. I am thinking in eternal terms, heavenly terms. And he comes back at him with scripture. Because our minds are finite, but yet God is infinite. There's a big gap of his ways and our ways, our thoughts and his thoughts. And we see as well in Matthew 26, it's 24 hours before Jesus is going to be nailed to the cross, die in the worst way. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, not just once, but three times that his Father in heaven would maybe have an option B for him. And why would he be praying that? I think he's praying that because the enemy is right there with him saying, hey, listen, you shouldn't do this. Listen, you are crazy to think about this. Look at these people. You want to die for these people? Really? <laughs> Look at these people, right? And so Jesus prays not just once, Father, take this cup from me, if you can, if you will. And he comes back again. Father, if there's any way to take this cup from me, do it. But yet, at the end of each prayer, he prays as well. But not my will, but yours be done. You see, he's coming back and he's defeating the temptation from the enemy, the temptation of the circumstances to say, hey, I know the pain, the anguish that is awaiting me, you know, that kind of thing, but not my will, yours be done. He's going all the way back to what he taught his disciples of how to pray the Lord's Prayer. What's the first line of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, 
holy is your name, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, hey, I'm looking for an option to be here, but at the end, your will be done, not mine. And we see because of that, Jesus follows through on his mission and he dies on the cross for you and I so our sins could be forgiven. We can walk back into relationship with our Father. And so this whole idea of what is the meaning of the sword of the Spirit, Paul says, it's the word of God, the word of God within us. We see it in motion in Jesus' life. And so how is it we get this motion, the word of God in us, We get it, thirdly, by meeting with Jesus. (laughs) We get it by meeting with Jesus, by getting his word into our lives, by allowing Jesus, who put it in motion, to be our personal trainer and to get it into our lives so that it can be utilized by the Holy Spirit as a sword to defeat our enemy. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Every time that maybe my eyes start to shift or my thoughts start to shift in an unhealthy way towards another woman, the Holy Spirit utilizes that verse. That comes to mind like that. And the desire of that verse is so that it recalibrates my eyes or my thinking into what is right and good, holy and pleasing to God, to my marriage, to my children. That verse, and I've shared this before, I memorized when I was a student at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse years ago in the 80s because of that challenge in my life. And God gave me that verse to memorize and has used it, the Holy Spirit has used it ever since like a sword in my life. So get it in you. Why? Because it comes out of you and it helps to defeat the enemy who wants to pull us away from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, a Roman soldier, which is very obvious to us today, but it was commonly made with two edges, right? Why? Because it easily penetrates, it easily defeats, it cuts in every way it goes. And the idea of piercing or penetrating, the idea of Hebrews 4.12, it says, hey, God's word is the same as a sword in our lives. It penetrates, it cuts us, it lays open our motives or our thoughts or our sin so that we can deal with it. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 on God's word. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When we get our God's word in us, it teaches us, it shows us what the next right thing to do is. So that the servant of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
every good work, whether it has to do with business, whether it has to do with school, whether it has to do with relationship or finance, whether it has to do with marriage, parenting, whatever it might be, dating, whatever it might be, we are thoroughly equipped. We're not just 20% equipped. We're not just 65% equipped. We're not just equipped for this one hour on Sunday, period. No, we are thoroughly equipped for every good work daily. That's the power of God's word. That's the, the living word in us. The more we know and understand the word of God, the more useful we will be in doing the will of God and the more effective we will be in defeating the enemy and his desire to pull us out of our relation to be effective in battle. So we must prepare with God's word to be effective in battle as well. We must get it into us. And so my question to you as I close this morning is this. What is your spiritual training plan? What is your spiritual training plan? How is it you are getting God's word into you? You know, here at New Hope Community Church, we talk about the four pathways to growth. And we have our stand right outside these doors that says the four pathways to growth. And the first pathway is to worship weekly, to gather together as God's children. But the second one is to practice daily. What are we to practice daily? We're to practice getting into God's word. And as God's word is in us, the Holy Spirit uses it as a sword in our lives. It's effective in our lives. And so out there, you can pick up a daily bread, which gives you a story and a verse that's relatable to everyday life. You can pick up a Bible reading plan. It's just a chapter a day. And this allows you to get God's word in you to meet with Jesus. But in meeting with Jesus, then also to just talk to him about what's going on in your life. Just tell it like it is and talk to him about your needs and praise him for the things that he has provided. And so through God's word and through prayer, we practice daily and he equips us then to take on our enemy when he shows up. I love the great statement that says, when men and women work, men and women work. When men and women pray, God works. You see, we invite him in. When we are in his word, we are inviting his word in our lives to be the lamp unto our feet, to give us direction. We are equipping the Holy Spirit with the sword for our lives so that we don't live as Christ followers clueless clueless when it comes to having an enemy God has created us and he has equipped us in our relationship with him and in this world to win. And so Paul is telling us, take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And so let's be spiritual trainers and practice it daily. And you may be in here and you may have read through the Bible many times or you may have been in church for many, many years, and you're thinking, well, I know it. I know it. But tell me this. 
Are the Minnesota Vikings going to practice and prepare before the season? They know football. They've been playing football for, since they've been kids. They get it. End zone, well, maybe not that one, but I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what? They get it. No, they are continually training. Continually training. And God says, continually put my word in you. And so let's spiritually train. He has equipped us to win, not to lose. To have instruction, not to live as clueless. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have equipped us. Thank you in it, it says that we are your children. We are positioned in you, that you love us, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you that you forgive us. Your grace is sufficient for our stuff. Thank you that we have the gift of eternal life, that this life isn't it. And I pray that we would hold on to that because your word communicates that. And that we would not allow the enemy to pull us out of that truth, out of our relationship with you. We are yours. So thank you in your holy name. Amen.